You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, it is great to be worshiping with you in the cameo and those of you that are joining us online. And in case you're coming for the first time, we've been studying through the mysterious book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And last week, we encouraged each other with a transforming idea that no matter how bad things are getting, we can keep looking up. So would you turn to your neighbor and tell him, no matter how bad it gets, keep looking up. Go ahead. Hey, that wasn't enough for some of your neighbors. Here's what you need to tell them. You need to tell them, hey, I heard you tested positive this last week. Positive for being awesome. (laughs) Go ahead and tell them. Man, we just keep the dad jokes rolling right here at City Tribe Church. They just get lamer and lamer all the time, but we're having a good time together when we study through uh, the mysterious book of Revelation. And, you know, these encouragements are to help us to live with the end in mind, which is actually the bigger idea for our series here. And so I was really encouraged this past week as I was studying through the book of Revelation, and I looked at chapter 21, where it says, when we're in Christ... Our names are signed into the book of life. So check it out. We're signed. And then as we study in Revelation 7 today, we're going to see that when we're in Christ, we're sealed. Right on? And then you'll also see in Revelation 7 where they cried out salvation, which actually means delivered. So when you put it, you know what I'm doing right here, right? So when you put it all together, when we're in Christ, we can say to God, I am signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours, right on? And so uh, I asked Aaron to come out and help us to remember this big idea, this declaration. So when it gets to the chorus of the song, what I want you guys to do is sing it out loud and proud that I am signed, sealed, delivered. Like a fool, I went and say too long. Now I'm wondering if your love is still strong. Ooh, baby, here I am. Signs here to live in. I'm yours. Then that time I went and said goodbye. Now I'm back and not ashamed to cry. Ooh, baby, here I am. Signs here to live in. I'm yours. My future in your hands Set my soul on fire That's why I know you're my 
Anybody ready to get signed, sealed, delivered today? <laughs> so can we say that big idea out loud together one time? Ready? Here we go. I'm signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. And so I want to show you. And by the way, you'll never think about Revelation 7 the same, will you? Right on. So uh, how do people in the tribulation get signed, sealed, delivered? Well, let me break it down for you. If you got your Bible, open it up in whatever Bible in whatever form. Open it up to Revelation 7. We're going to go verse by verse. And I want to show you how the angels help us to get the seal, right? These angels and the seal. It's Revelation chapter 7, verse 1. And it says, Then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds, so they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even on any tree. Verse 2, And I saw another angel coming up from the sea, carrying the what? The seal of the living God. And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the what? Seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. And so let's go back in each verse and break down a few of the phrases there because some of this verse is actually very misused. Some people would go to the part of the passage where it says the four corners of the earth and try and make it look like the Bible's trying to make a statement about the shape of the earth, right? And so they would say, oh, the, what is the earth got four corners here? What's going on there? Well, today we watch the meteorologist who tells us which time, what time the sun is going to rise and set, right? But we know that the meteorologist understands that the, the sun's not going anywhere. It's not moving, is it? And if you want to look at something where the Bible may talk about the shape of the earth, go to uh, Isaiah 40, 22, that says, God sits enthroned above the what? Circle of the earth, right on? And so I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here, but let's get back to the text of Re Revelation 7, where this passage is telling us about these angels that are posted at different regions of the earth. Now, if you look through the Bible, you'll see that angelic beings have different levels of authority. If you've read through Ephesians 6, you would see that there are these principalities, powers in the air. So in the demonic realm, fallen angels, they have different levels of authority and the holy angels have different levels of authority. And God has given these particular angels delegated authority to bring some judgments on 
the earth. And when you think about these angels, don't be thinking about like the precious moments angels or whatever. You gotta be thinking like the the rock Dwayne Johnson kind of angels. You know what I mean? These are the ones that are coming with judgment. Now, when is all this happening on a timeline? Let me show you our timeline of revelation. There are believers that I love and respect that would disagree with my timeline on this, but that's okay. We, we all love each other and give grace and these kind of things and we can disagree. But the way we see it here is that there'll be, that there's the cross of Christ where he died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. After Jesus rose again from the dead, he instituted what's called the church age in which we currently live, the space of grace where we have the opportunity to receive the grace of God. And at some point in the future, we don't know when there will be what's called the rapture of the church where the people of God are raptured up to meet the Lord in the air. And then there will be seven years of tribulation. Now, like you can see on the chart, there'll be some seven seals, trumpets, and there'll also be seven bowls of wrath. And we're gonna get into those in the future weeks. But the tribulation is gonna be a very hard time. And then the second coming of Jesus and then a thousand years of his reign on the earth. And the reason that I bring that up today is because the judgments that we're gonna see of these big, you know, the Rock Dwayne Johnson angels are gonna happen during the seven years of the tribulation here. And the most powerful of these angels said, hey, you gotta stop the judgments right now. Stop, hold the phone. There's a pause in the judgments. And the reason there's a pause is he insisted that we've got to put the seal of protection on the foreheads of the people who believed in Jesus during this time. Even during the tribulation, God is extending grace to protect the people who have chosen to believe in him during those times. Now, later on, we're gonna get into the seal of the beast or the mark of the beast, and that's not gonna go so well for those folks that take the mark of the beast. But for now, we're just looking at the seal of God. And this is not the first time in the scriptures that we've seen God put a seal on his people that he wants to protect from experiencing some type of judgment. If you go back to the Exodus story where the people put a seal, they painted something, you know, they put, painted on the doorposts, uh, you know, over their doors, and it protected them from the death angel, the Bible calls it. And then if you fast forward to the New Testament of the Bible, you could see Paul saying in Ephesians chapter one, verse 13, he says, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, look at what happens next. You were what? Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, see? And so here's the way that that works out for some of you today, is that when you believed in Jesus, you were sealed with the protection of the Holy Spirit in your heart and your life. Now what some of you think is, you feel something, you feel what's called conviction. When you sin or do something, that you know, you backslide or you know, relapse or do something that you regret, you feel a sense of conviction on the end. Uh, on the inside and the enemy wants to convince you that oh you're not a child of God he bailed out on you because you bailed out on him but what we know is that conviction is there because the Holy Spirit's actually in you that's a good sign not a bad sign see and what he's saying to you today is hey you can come back to me you can say hey just ask for forgiveness I forgive you I love you I didn't bail out on you even if you did some stuff that you regret I love you and you can 
say, just like Stevie Wonder, I am signed, sealed, delivered. I am yours. Right on. Is anybody into that? Anybody into being signed, sealed, delivered? So that's what it's all about. See, the, the, here's what a lot of people in our culture say, or a lot of religious people would say, hey, you have to obey in order to earn God's affection. But the gospel says, no, you don't have to obey to earn my affection. I give you my affection and love as a gift, and I obey because I'm already loved. I'm inspired and excited and happy and thankful because I'm already loved, and it makes me want to obey him and serve him all the more. But look at this next part of the passage. It's kind of a controversial part of Revelation chapter 7, and it's related to the 144,000. Now, let me read the passage, and then we'll break it down. Verse four, and I heard how many were marked with the seal of God, 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel, from Judah, 12,000, from Reuben, 12,000, from Gad, 12,000, from Asher, 12,000, from Naphtali, 12,000, from Manasseh, 12,000, from Simeon, 12,000, from Levi, 12,000, from Issachar, 12,000, from Zebulun, 12,000, from Joseph, 12,000, from Benjamin, 12,000. Wasn't that list a lot of fun? But look, in light of the 144,000 here, um, have you ever had someone knock on your door and they want to give you watchtower literature, watchtower religious literature? That's the, what I call the false Jehovah's Witnesses. It's a cult group. And they believe that only 144,000 people will make it into heaven. And they twist this passage to try and make it look like only 144,000 people make it into heaven. But what you can ask them is, hey, uh, how do you know you're one of the 144,000? And that's going to be hard for them because there's actually more than 8 million Jehovah's Witnesses now. And so they got to be at the top of their cult game in order to get in, you know, uh, uh, out of the 8 million million, there's only going to be 144,000 in their minds. But the passage is clear. It's not talking about some modern day cult, but it's talking about 144,000 Jewish people. In fact, it even goes on to uh, list all their individual tribes. See? So it's 144,000 Jewish people who are going to believe during the tribulation period of history, it's going to, these tribulations are going to shake up the nation of Israel. And Jewish people are going to be shaken up to the point where they believe in Jesus. And can you imagine how happy they're going to be when they finally connect with their Messiah that they've been waiting on? And they're going to cry out with worship and say, I am signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Yeshua, my Messiah, Jesus. Jesus, see? But as I was reading about the 144,000 in this commentary called Lion and the Lamb, it was written by a great theologian named Dr. John Newport who taught at the seminary where I graduated. And he pointed out something to me that was very interesting about the list of the tribes. And by the way, remember earlier when I was reading that list of tribes and you guys were zoning out thinking about, you're thinking about tacos, you know, what's happening for lunch, you know, whatever. Okay, you, you were not listening to me at all. But I, I do the same thing when I read those lists in the Bible. But what Dr. Newport pointed out was sometimes you need to pay attention to those lists. And here's why. Because there was a name missing from the list of the 12 tribes. The tribe of Dan wasn't in the list. And see, these Jewish rabbi types, they're very sneaky in the way that they'll leave something out on purpose, and the Jewish audience would have known what they left out, and then that makes them think about it. Why was the tribe of Dan missing from the list of the tribes? Well, a lot of people write, and Dr. Newport believes that it could be because the tribe of Dan 
in the Old Testament book of Judges is associated with idolatry. And so to John's original hearers, they would have been tempted to fall down in idol worship to the Roman emperor of that day. And during our season of history, people are tempted to fall down and worship the idols of personality and possessions in our culture. And people in the future end times will be tempted to bow down and worship the idol of the Antichrist that is coming someday. But what the Bible teaches us is that, hey, we lose inheritance in the future kingdom when we bow down to the idols of this current world. Do we not? It's not that we lose our relationship with God, but there's inheritance that he wanted to bless us with that we miss out on whenever we bow down to the idols. And so on one sense, you're looking at the the one channel in your mind, you're looking at the 144,000, but change channels in your mind to the next part of the vision where then John sees this vast crowd. And we see the vast crowd in Revelation 7, 9. It says, after this, I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation or Deliverance, I'm delivered. Deliverance comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And so there's this great, vast crowd of people and they're all different kinds of people. Now, one of the things that's interesting to me about the culture in which we live right now is you've heard people or seen people who try and position Christianity as the white man's religion. And I understand why some people do that because in past history there were people who would twist the scriptures to justify their own racism, right? But we have seen in the Bible repeatedly and continually. When we were studying through Revelation chapter five, we saw every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group. Here we are again in Revelation chapter seven. It says every nation, tribe, people, and language. And spoiler alert, when we get to Revelation chapter 14, we're gonna see it again. Every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group, the family of God, the people of God, the kingdom of Jesus is by far the most diverse religion or group of people in the entire planet. In fact, even our city tribe family here in San Antonio is fairly diverse, but it's not just us. We have people tuning in, worshiping with us online today in Brazil, in Spain, in Cambodia, even, you know, exotic places like Houston, Texas. Okay, Houston, we love you, man. Shout out to uh, city tribers in Houston right now. But uh, why did this diverse crowd of people wave palm branches in the air? Why'd they do that? What's that palm branch thing all about? Well, let me break it down for you. Uh, where's the other place in the Bible where we see palms? Some of you are like, Palm Sunday, right on? I mean, you went to Mass when you were a kid, and you're like, what's the palms all about? Okay, well, I'm gonna explain it to you right now. Um, And I need to do it with some ancient coins because the archaeologists dig up all these coins from antiquity, and they tell us stuff about the ancient cultures. And so on this first coin, you can see a Tiberius coin, And he reigned, this is the guy that reigned, he was the ruler, the king, the emperor during most of Jesus' life. And on one side, the coin says, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. 
And then you can see on the other side of the coin, he's holding a scepter, and he's also holding an olive branch. So basically what the Caesar is saying is that through Roman military might, he's saying this message on a coin because they didn't have internet ads and billboards back then, right? So they would advertise on a coin, and he's saying through Roman military might, the Romans will bring peace on the earth. But look at this next coin. And this is more of a punk rock kind of Jewish revolt coin. And on this coin, you can see a palm branch, right? And this palm branch means something altogether different than the Roman palm branch meant. And you know, a lot of Christians mistakenly believe that the palm branch is like some symbol of peace and love on the earth. But actually, palm branches were like Jewish flags because when they were living under Roman oppression, the Romans didn't allow the Jewish people to have their own flags. What they would do is they just pull these palm branches and wave them, and it represented a nationalistic, zealot Jewish flag. And they would shout Hosanna. And Hosanna was a slogan that meant, God, save us from these oppressors who continue to persecute us. Save us from these colonizers, these, these Romans that continue to press us down, you see? And so here's what's going on. During, G, during John's day, he would write to an audience who would wave, wanted to wave the palm branches to say, hey, we want to be free from the Roman oppressors. And that is a picture of something to come. It's a picture of this vast crowd who someday will be standing before Jesus in his presence in heaven, in the heavenly realm, and they will wave palm branches because they have finally been delivered from the oppressive power of the Antichrist on the earth. These people will finally be able to say, I am, what, signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours, right on? So uh, these people are gonna be some happy people. But so this begs the question, who is this crowd of people? Who are they? Well, we get the answer in the very next verse. Look at Revelation 7, 14. These are the ones who died in the great tribulation. We know what that is, right? The seven years of tribulation. They died in the seven years of tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and have made them white. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. So this is the group of people that they, they were protected from the wrath of God during the tribulation because they had the mark on the seal of God on their heads, right? So they were protected from God's natural disasters, but they were not protected from the Antichrist. And when they believe, they, in the future, when they choose to believe in Jesus, the Antichrist will have them executed because of their belief in Jesus and so these people, even though they missed the rapture, they chose to believe, they'll choose to believe in Jesus and they'll be washed clean by the blood of the lamb. But they can take courage because of what we'll see in the next verse. Look at the shepherd of tears in Revelation seven sixteen. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun for the lamb on the throne will be their what? shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will, get this, wipe every tear 
from their eyes. And so we have the shepherd of tears here. John liked the theme of Jesus as shepherd. In fact, John wrote about it in John 10 when he talked about Jesus as that shepherd. And he, you know what he does? He knows every sheep by name. Did you know Jesus knows your name? And he calls you by name and his sheep come to him. And we only listen to his voice. We don't listen to the voice of the false prophets. We don't listen to the voice of the antichrist, the spirit of antichrist in our age. And we will not listen to the antichrist in the age to come, uh, but we only listen to the voice of the shepherd. Now, one of the things about shepherds in John's day and, in, in, and even to this day in the Holy Land is it, the picture is of these Bedouin shepherds, and I've seen them in Israel, and most of the time they're teenagers. Oftentimes they're teenage girls, and these are girls that, sure, they can be gentle, but they can be fierce. I wouldn't jack with them, you know, because they know how to fight off the predators that are trying to get into their Herds, and they will lay down their lives to protect those sheep, just like Jesus said in John 10, 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And then the passage says, after it says he's a shepherd, so you know what a shepherd is like, right? Fierce, protective, loving, caring. But it also says this shepherd will wipe the tears from their eyes. You know, when you look in the Bible, it talks a lot about tears and it shows us even in the Psalms that God saves every one of our tears. Did you know that every time you cry a tear, God is involved and trying to be, he wants to be with you because he loves you so much. He's so emotionally involved in what you're feeling at a given time. Does anybody besides me remember the uh, no more tear shampoo commercials? Remember these? And so I brought a picture from one of those vintage commercials and I like the picture of the little kid there that's like got the shampoo, it's like la 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 la, having a good time, having a good bath and all that. And when I saw that, I thought, I wish there was a spiritual and emotional no more tear shampoo that I could just give to people. Because some of you have been deeply wounded and I wish I could just give you a shampoo where you'd wash your hair and you wouldn't have any more tears, you know? But Jesus says, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. There will be tears in this world, there's no doubt. But what he tells us is, this is why we have hope. Because he tells us someday, when you are in the direct presence of the shepherd of tears, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Every wound, every bad thing, every loss, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes and you will be able to proclaim to him, here I am, I am signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours, no more tears in the kingdom. That's gonna be a great place to be. Um, but you know, I know some of you are theologues and you've been listening to the text and you're like, well, Pastor Doug, this whole Revelation 7 part, it's talking, if it's talking about the future, some of it, you know, it's just talking about the seven years of tribulation that these people believe then, then it must not apply to me. You ever do that with the scripture? I'm always looking for the angle where it doesn't apply to me, right? I don't know why, I just I tend to think that way. But can I tell you something? If, it, if God extends his grace, protection, and love to people who missed the rapture and did not believe in him during the space of grace, 
how much more will he extend his grace to you and I in the church age, which we know is the space of grace? How much more will he comfort you and I? How much more will he pour out his love and mercy on us? Can I show you a few verses about this that clearly apply to you and I today? It's Romans 5, 9. He says, Paul says, since we have now been justified by his blood, what are those next three words? How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him. Look at the next verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. What are the next three words? How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And if you need one more, look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. It just gets right out of the gate, those three words. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God look look at me how much more can we today say if we will choose to believe in him I am signed I'm straight up sealed by the Holy Spirit and I am and will be delivered to the shepherd who will take away every one of my tears does anybody want some of that today to sign sealed delivered and check this out I've watched over the years a lot of spiritual investigators come here or watch online and even have physical reactions when God by his spirit is drawing them to become his kids and to adopt them. I've seen people shed tears. I've seen people have their heart rate increase like they just downed an espresso and chased it with a Red Bull energy drink. You know, it's just like this heart is beating fast. And you know it, and you know it's not because of my persuasive words, but it's something else, a presence in the room, and it feels a whole lot like love. It's Jesus. It's God the Father that Gideon talked about that in an undignified manner runs to you to seek you out because he loves you so much and wants you to come home to him. See, and if you're being drawn to love relationship with God today, maybe you've never known him. I think it'd be totally appropriate to just stop and talk to him, shall we? So let's bow for prayer. And if you'd like to begin love relationship with Jesus today, you've never had it. Just talk to him in your heart and say something like this. God, look, I, I've not been the most religious person in the world. I, I confess I've sinned. But right now, the best I get it, I choose to believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he was like the lamb sacrificed for my sin. Jesus took the punishment for my sin. And then Jesus rose again from the dead to give me a new life. Thank you for adopting me as your daughter, as your son. And as we continue in prayer, there are others who you, you know you have a relationship with him and you're sealed by the spirit. That's why you feel convicted about something you've done recently that you feel a lot of guilt and shame about. And he's saying, hey, daughter, son, wipe away those tears. You've confessed your sin to me. You're thinking of it right now. You're forgiven. 
You don't have to act right to earn my love. I love you anyway. But now be motivated by the grace that I've extended to you to love me more and serve me more. Child, you're signed, sealed, delivered, you're mine. See? Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts today. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. It's a good day to be signed, sealed, delivered today, isn't it? Isn't it good? Right on. So check this out. Next Sunday, Revelation's going to get pretty crazy, all right? Chapter 8, um, we're going to look at the seventh seal. Remember last week we were talking about six of the seals, and then there was a break in this week, you know, in the action, and next week we're going to get to the seventh seal. So we'll unpack the cray-cray next Sunday, uh, and so come on back for that. Uh, stream us, come in person, whatever. Now, one of the ways we worship is through our finances or stewardship. Now, of course, if you're not a believer and don't buy into all this, we totally understand we're not like trying to gouge you for your money or anything like that. But those of us that believe in him, um, we, out of the overflow of our hearts, want to steward our resources. And we do what the Bible says. You know, Jesus endorsed this teaching called the tithe. And it's like you bring a first priority or a first fruit tithe, which is like 10th of the income and above at the local store of the church in order to uh, you know, further the mission or the things of God. And uh, one of the ways that you can do that, or actually are four ways that you can do that since we don't pass buckets or plates, is you can mail in your offerings to the P.O. Box on screen. You can text to tithe. If you text everything, you can go to the in-person giving stations to take care of that. Or you can go to our website, citytribe.church slash tithe. And if you want to just do the simple way, click on recurring on the online, giving that, that way you can just recur it and you won't forget about it like, like we do sometimes, right? So, so thankful for your generosity and the way you guys are supporting the good things that are going on here at City Tribe Church. So let's stand up together and before we take off. And, you know, if you're with your crew and, you know, you, you put your arm around someone and hold a hand or whatever, um, if you're not with your crew, don't, don't be all spreading the germs, right? So, so anyways, uh, so let me speak a word of benediction over you guys before you take off. Um, hope these words, you'll receive them. Dear brothers and sisters, no matter how crazy or whack the world gets, no matter how much you relapse or struggle, walk from this place knowing that you are cleansed by the blood of the lamb. And you can walk from here singing and dancing, saying, I am straight up signed, what, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. You guys get out of here. Have an awesome Sunday. We'll see you next time. (laughs) We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.